0: To the skeptic wire.
1: Hello, what?
2: Let
1: me try this again. Hello. Um, 21st of March 2012 This is episode 50 Of the Skeptic Wire Yay, Yay! I, I am your lonely host Gary Lawn And with me this week are my lonely Compatriots Donna Swafford Get off
0: my lawn
1: Your internet lawn And uh, from Parts Unknown Skyping in as all we are no, wait, as are, as are we all? Yes.
2: So say we it is all. Is
1: Gre- Gregory Perrine.
2: I'm in Maryland. I got crabs.
0: <laughs> you know, I oh, think there's some antifungal cream that you can get for that.
2: No, no, crabs like the curly things. It wasn't a double entendre. I... I've sworn those off forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't believe you. Aww.
1: As we say, we are skeptical of that claim. But there's only one way to prove it, and that's to never be double entendre-ish again. Ever. You can only disprove it.
2: Moving on! <laughs> Yay!
1: Uh, do we have any birthdays this
2: week? We have, um, well, there are many, many people who have birthdays today. Um, I think uh, Matthew Broderick and Rosie O'Donnell, but those aren't particularly important skeptically-wise. Um There was a man named Jesse, or James Jesse Strang. He was born March 21st, 1813. Do either of you know who he was?
0: Wasn't he the guy of the OK Corral?
2: Uh, No, that was just Jesse James. This is James Jesse. Damn it. All right. James Jesse Strang was uh, one of the leaders of the um, Mormon religion, in 1844, after, I think it was after, um, what's his name, uh, Joseph, Joseph Smith's, after Joseph Smith died, ah. uh, there was a, a crisis over the succession of the Mormon Church, and uh, James Strang was one of the people who was fighting for leadership with Brigham, Run- Brigham Young and Sidney Rington, or Rigdon and he started off his own sect of the church of jesus christ and latter day St- saints um he was you know he had a lot of the same ideas as some of the other mormons was big but was big on um there being only one god so he re- rejected the trinity he rejected the idea of um mary being a virgin stuff like that um but he was he was like a realist yeah, uh, but he was still pretty big on, uh, polygamy and baptizing dead people. Um, he was a big advocate of the uh, Sabbath being on a Saturday and stuff like that. Um, pretty. Well,
1: that just, that just won't fly.
2: Yeah. Pretty dictatorial leader of his group. Um, his, he decided that he wasn't just a prophet. He was the monarch of his group. And his group was, um, in Michigan. So he was known as, um, and it was on a specific island around Michigan. So he was known as the King of Beaver Island.
1: (laughs) Nice. Now, is, is he, is, is he the person that they based Doctor Strange on in the, in the, oh, that was Victor Strange. Never mind.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't have it. I, as far as I know, um, he was not been reproduced in any other media. Um, But he had his own sect in Michigan where Brigham Young went to um, Utah, that sort of thing. Um, But unfortunately, he was such a a mean guy to his followers. He would have people whipped. He would have people excommunicated and stuff like that. Apparently, four or so of his followers who had been punished by him um, assassinated him, shot him in the back or something like that. He took a few days to die. Well,
1: that's, that's very Christian of
2: them. Yeah. So at, at the height, he had 12,000, uh, followers, but, um, the, the sect of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, uh, the Strangites, which doesn't exactly flow off the tongue, sure. um, is, is pretty much a very small minority right now. So, uh, kind of an afterthought in the history of Mormonism.
1: Let's not call them the strangites. Let's call them the the strangulons.
2: Sure, let's call them that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works for me. <laughs> Which makes them sound a little bit more violent, like they're going to come up and strangle on you.
1: Right. Well, there, and you also get the the, the Star silent. Trek, uh, yeah, yeah, I Galactica. You know. There you go. They them too, or you know the Slee stacks and.
2: Wow, from okay, there's a lot Loss. of science fi- science fiction fantasy going on there, but what do you expect from the Mormons?
0: <laughs> well, you know, they're He's all... He's the
1: one who's named String.
0: <laughs> they're kind of like Daleks.
2: <laughs> no, 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 the Daleks were a metaphor for the Nazis. <laughs> That's
1: right. And, and all these guys just go, Incorporate! 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, yes, Jesse, uh, James Jesse Strang, born March 21st, this day in history, uh, 1831.
1: Or not even this day in history, this this birthday. Of this
2: guy. This day in history he was born. Okay. That's, but there are other (laughs) podcasts that have taken that, that meme of this day in history, so they can have that for their own.
1: They don't want to be stepping on their toes or nothing. They don't have
2: monkey sexy time.
0: Ryan ate sexy time? No.
2: That, we just so. have primate sexy time. Yep. Right.
1: And adamandeve.com. All <laughs> right. Moving on. Well, uh, we have some pretty uh, cool... Speaking what? of adamandeve.com. Uh, Tam10 was just announced?
2: Yes. What? It was announced on the internet. And some people <laughs> get sexy at Tam.
0: <laughs> and it is held in and, Sin City.
2: There you
1: yep. go. And sometimes they get sexy in the elevators. <laughs> Oh, wait, that wasn't at TAM, never mind.
2: No, it wasn't. It was just right before TAM, (laughs) so it was last year. But yes, TAM 2012 has been open for registration. I think if you go to AmazingMeeting slash 2012 or something like that, they're calling it TAM 2012, not TAM 10, I think. They've they've gotten to the point where they realize the numbers are getting too high.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
2: But there's a nice big... No way uh, at all list of speakers already and George Robb is going to emcee the whole thing so I know I'm definitely going and I remember you guys are kind of on the fence but uh, we'll definitely have a presence there for our listeners to come find us and stalk us yay, yay. well
1: bueno well speaking about 2012 uh, this seems to be the year of the disaster it's like a big disaster movie you know uh, we've got the end of the world coming up again at the end I think there's a rapture or something happening. And recently, um, actually, on, on one of the uh, the, the the music the recording forums I go on for, for one of my uh, digital audio workstations, uh, they have a thing called a coffee house, and they just have anybody can, can post in there on any topic, you know, just to, for people to talk. And some guy posted a link to... Above TopSecret.com and Ooh. the whole thread about the Matrix of 188.
2: The Matrix of 188?
1: Yes, and they do actually have uh, references sort of to the Matrix at the beginning of a video they show. Uh, basically, they think they figured out how uh, earthquakes happen. Uh, how and,
2: earthquakes happen? Or just.
1: <laughs> sorry, when. When, and that they happen. In a hundred and eighty-eight day cycle, so, about
2: so they kind of reject the idea of Plate earthquakes tectonics. are are random and non-predictable, and they just happen right. because of natural forces.
1: Right. No, I th- I, I, I I assume. <laughs> well, it's hard to say if they if they think there's anything natural about it, but uh, they say all major earthquakes happen in a hundred and eighty-eight day cycle, and they happen in a, uh, a geometric pattern around the globe. Uh, they say it's the Fibonacci series, but uh, they didn't make a very good case for that.
2: <laughs> no, no, they didn't. We'll, we'll I nice... post a link to um, the page where they post this video, and they have all these maps, and it's, right. it takes looking at to realize what we're talking about here, how how corny (sighs) their setup is.
0: Okay, I'm... Now, see, I've not watched the video, so bear with me here, because I was a slacker this week. So, Fibonacci, big giant, circular upon circular upon circular... Right.
1: Yeah, it's a snail. Sort of the snail or the... uh, The golden ratio.
0: Right, so... I'm still trying to figure out... I, I mean, did they start out with, like, one inch and then two inches and are working up to miles? <laughs>
2: Not even no. anywhere near that. So no. what they did is they started with an earthquake down in South America. I think it was in Chile. 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 And they,
1: At Concepcion Bio Bio or something like that.
2: Right. And they say, okay, this was the, you know, the first earthquake in the cycle and then they say well also there is this big earthquake in new zealand uh there was a it was the Christ christchurch Church, new zealand earthquake that they mentioned and then they yep. say well there's also the great Jap- uh japanese earthquake oh my goodness you know that's uh, so you're they're kind of showing a europe centered map where you can see first chile then new zealand then up to japan and then back across to the west coast of the United States. So which remember. one which
0: one are they taking? Are they taking Northridge or are they taking Loma Prieta?
2: They're sh- they're pointing up to the San Francisco, Oregon, Vancouver area. They they're not even very specific. It isn't even no, centered you, on the coast.
0: Okay. Yeah, these no. guys are just idiots. Sorry. I'm just so gonna say take,
2: it. So they take you, that man? that pattern which is not even an actual parallelogram, but a quasi-parallelogram, because it's, it's, it's a little off-kilter. And essentially, they start drawing extra lines on the map and say, well, if we bisect this line and we, we close off this parallelogram to create rectangles and add a line to this other earthquake in, wherever the heck it was, it was um, Fiji or something say, oh, look, this Fiji earthquake also fits the pattern because we can draw a line from one of these lines to this other line. And, oh, look, the, you know, if you draw a line between Japan and San Francisco, Turkey is in between there. And, oh, Turkey has earthquakes. So they they really kind of take these points and start drawing lines, not randomly, but with no particular reason in mind. They just started, they have this video. Go ahead, Gary. Well,
1: it's it's it, the the line drawings are all geometrically um, mirrored on the parallelogram. Kind of <laughs> is what is what is what's supposed to be happening. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't when he's drawing it, you don't see that he's actually taking angles, but it kind of looks like it, and he's using really thick lines. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not a very precise. Um, as they would say, a theory. So what he's using
0: is. is extra geometry to make his theory fit, as opposed to an actual Fibonacci sequence. Right.
1: Exactly. Okay. Uh, and I guess it just gets, gets more and more crowded. And um, what I love about it, though, is he's using a okay, he's using a uh, Kravesky seven projection of of the world map, which Uh, sensors sort of on uh, Africa and so everything is now if you use a different type of map map projection this wouldn't necessarily work as well right? if at all so he just kind of chanced upon it and the the guy who put this together is all very breathlessly excited about it being I can't believe no one's discovered this you know every 188 days now what I love about this, 188 days, as it goes along, he goes, oh, well, uh, but you may have like a... (laughs) Not even that. (laughs) Yeah, because you may have a 5, 7, 11, or even uh, 15-day window for these things to happen. Yes, exactly. So you have an entire month window for all of this to go through. Right.
2: Uh, He he makes a very big deal in the middle of his video about... Two hundred years ago, that.
1: By the way, I did all the math on that. Yeah, so did
2: I. I, That essentially, he said two hundred years ago, which is seventy-two thousand nine hundred forty-four days. His, he calculated that by saying one hundred and eighty-eight, which is his pattern, times three hundred eighty-eight, and I have no idea where the heck he got three hundred eighty-eight from. As his number. Well,
1: well, because it's it's an even number of 188, so it just just happens to be a, a, a specific number of cycles. It could it could have been 387 or 389. It doesn't really matter. <sighs> oh, yeah,
2: I yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> but in, it,
1: in other words, it in other words, it it's a whole number.
2: But if if you really want to figure out how many days between now and way back when, so you've got 365 days per year, every four years you have a leap day, so that gives you 1,461 days per four-year chunk, and in 200 years you have 50 of those, which gives you 73,050, and then you subtract two because there's no leap year every 100 years. And 200 years ago is 73,048 days, not 72,000. So I don't know where he's no, no. getting this idea of oh, 200 God. years ago.
0: Okay, seriously, this guy and you guys are giving me a headache. Because the math is well, just all, ooh, I'm okay. going to make it fit. It
1: doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter
2: math. Actually, it really is, I, I would... exactly. He's going to take these numbers and make it fit wherever he wants.
1: Right. Well, I went, I went online and used the uh, how many days until calculator, and actually it comes out to be exactly that. So he probably did the exact same thing <laughs> and figured out that. And so he, he gives the state, and then he says, nothing happened. Oh, but wait a minute. You have a 15 day window, and that's when. Oh, curse. New Madrid
2: earthquake in Arkansas. New.
1: Right. Uh, fault happened, which is a huge one. I think it reversed the Mississippi. Right. Both of them when they happen. Now, what's funny about that? He says he says it happens in a 188-day cycle, and so the the first one that happened in in December, uh, yeah, that falls in that 15-day period that the leeway that he gave himself. But then, 69 days later, you have another humongous earthquake, which does not fall into the cycle. Yeah. So right there, it it disproves his 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 Theory. hypotheses.
2: Well, as I was, as I was looking through the video, the, the first half of the video, just one word kept creeping up into my head of, yeah, of a big old disproof for this whole idea of 188 days and it's a intelligently designed pattern to show us whatever. One word came up into my mind. Haiti. Haiti was a big ass earthquake and it is nowhere near on any of the lines the guy has been drawing. He essentially cherry-picked a few earthquakes that happened to fit a pattern, a numerical pattern, and then ignored everything else.
1: Right. Well, especially because if you go on to the uh, United States Geological Service and search for earthquakes, uh, we have earthquakes every day. We have hundreds of earthquakes every day, and we have major earthquakes every other day. I mean, we're talking uh, – we'll have at two uh, – 6.5 or larger earthquakes somewhere in the world a month. Right. Right? We just don't always uh, feel them. Right. Or And they don't always affect us. And, of course, a lot of this stuff that he's drawing all fall around the circle of fire, you know, the the big uh, subduction zone around the Pacific Ocean yeah. and then uh, where the continents meet. Uh, well, okay, that's not the circle of fire, but you, I hope you understand what I mean. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, where all of these are great So you can draw a pattern that shows where the plates, tectonic plates, are.
2: You can take Shock. any four or five points, and somehow, no matter how you look at them, either on a different map or a globe or however, you can look at it one way or the other and decide, oh look, there's a pattern.
1: That's right. It, it reminded three, me
2: a lot of that Jim Carrey movie Twenty Three, where uh, yeah. everything, everywhere he goes. He starts spotting the number 23, and it's, it becomes this obsession where it's yeah. just you notice things that fit the pattern, and you ignore everything else.
1: Yeah, whereas I think in, tw- in 23, uh, spoiler alert, uh, he turns out to be insane.
2: <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> <Right>? that's true.
1: <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Uh, so we'll we'll have a link to this video. Uh, there's also a really nice rebuttal video that was done by uh, a guy named uh, Potholer54 on YouTube. Yeah. And he just threw it up, and he basically says what kind of what we said, and and goes through and just says, look, stop cherry picking, and and then there's no there's no data.
2: Yeah, it's a lot there's, of breathless. Look at all this evidence I have. You'll be blown away by my evidence. My evidence is coming out quick. I'm going to present my evidence. It's really awesome. This is great evidence. And he spends 10 minutes with these captions saying, "I have wonderful evidence for you." And then it doesn't even explain why the hell he chose 188 days. You know, yeah. He plays a lot of fun math with one plus eight plus eight equals 17 and one yeah, it's, plus it's, seven it's, equals eight, and just anomaly number hunting
1: yeah it's it's nothing more than than the the was the the bible code
2: yeah exactly you
1: know, where you which you can use for moby Dick or any other large tome
2: <laughs> he did something so. strange like at the end the very end of the video um he says you know i'm i'm really worried i um, taking into account things like the golden ratio pi and and all that, and he says, well if you take the golden ratio, divide it by pi and multiply the entire thing by three hundred sixty five you get 188 days. Well, first of all, why the hell did he choose 365 days? 365 is well, that just that's because a, it's years? That's a but, year, yeah. But a that's, year that's, is actually 365.24 well, whatever.
1: Yeah, but pi is an irrational number. And- <laughs> exactly.
2: And if you actually do the math, it's 187.98821876 days. So,
1: well, gotta like remember you have plus or minus 15 days.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> He talks about pi times 60 equals 188.4, and 1884 is the year that the prime meridian was decided upon. Coincidence or no? Uh,
0: yeah, there is there is not enough wine to make this guy sound intelligent, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there is if you're not thinking. I mean, if <laughs> I can see people falling for it. Simply because there's a lot of assertion. With, of course, uh, I should it, it should be pointed out that the uh, the guy who made the video uh, does say that I make no claims to be a mathematician, scientist, or geologist.
2: Right. Yes, and,
0: it shows and we can that. all tell.
2: But it's, yeah, yeah it's, but it's a whole lot of I'm this guy in my basement, and I have discovered what nobody else has ever discovered, and. You know, right. I, he he starts he starts out the the description afterwards saying, "Hmm, maybe a Nobel Prize is in my future."
0: <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. Was that my Lots outside of voice? delusions of grandeur.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it falls under the a little bit of knowledge is a ridiculous thing. Yeah. Especially if you don't want to be to see if you're proven wrong wrong by searching out oh I don't know reality
2: yeah
1: and and science and. And, you know, facts.
2: Well, he was very insistent that, you know, uh, us- the usual scientists will just ridicule him. And, well, that's what we're doing. We're not scientists, but we are ridiculing him. But it deserves ridicule. He doesn't have a yeah. lot of data behind him. He just has
1: these A lot of data? No, he has no data behind him.
2: And a drawing on a map.
1: Yeah. I, I, would, I would also like to point out the reason that we brought this up is because uh, there's supposed to be a major earthquake on the 22nd of March, which for us will be tomorrow, and for you people will either be today, yesterday, or two days ago. However, interestingly enough, well, okay, it could be more than two days ago. I, when you're listening to this, I don't know.
2: Well, it, you've um, also got the 15-day window where it could have right Yeah, it could have right.
1: already happened, and
0: we just don't know it.
1: It already happened. It already happened because uh, there was a 7.4 uh, magnitude earthquake in Mexico City
0: yeah.
1: um, uh, two days ago.
2: Yeah. He, he's very careful to say that he's really focused on earthquakes that are higher than a 7 in magnitude. Uh-huh. But like you said, that happens fairly often.
0: Well, at least least twice if, a month. if you, I mean, look at it. Earthquakes happen every day majority of them yep. we don't feel. And, I mean, I grew up in California, and I'll be honest, I don't get out of bed unless it's over 4.5, okay? <laughs> I, you know, nope. and, and that is how most Californians <laughs> are. Like, I mean, when Loma Prieta struck, everybody was like, ooh, whoa, this is something big. And the city kind of stopped. I'll tell you that if it was, let, you know, if it was a, a six or below, everybody would have been, yeah, whatever. <laughs>
2: The, the one you just yeah. said the other day was, you said Mexico City? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. That doesn't fit into his pattern.
1: Uh, well, I was going to say, um, you're absolutely right, it doesn't fit into the pattern, and it disproves his hypotheses. Okay, so where Haiti.
0: Where <laughs> was his next one supposed to happen?
2: He just said it would be somewhere uh, no, around the United 22nd. States. Oh, okay.
1: No, no, but it was supposed to happen somewhere in the United States along the uh, uh, Canadian border, pretty much.
0: Well, see, he um, just went to the opposite border. <laughs> math was a little <laughs>
1: off. Well no, well, no, okay. Oh, well, this is exciting. Uh, it looks like it might be around Washington, D.C. Ooh! We know something exciting's happening in Washington, D.C. coming up. Uh, or up it could happen... Quick. In, in the middle of the country, or it could happen over... In California? Near Los Angeles, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm sorry, I was completely incorrect. Uh, there is no, absolutely zero earthquakes happening along the Canadian border. How
0: much do you...
1: Unless you extend the ley lines, which which are very important. Ley lines are very important to this... Um.
0: How much do you want to bet this guy comes back and does a herald camping of... Oh, my mouth was slightly off. I meant to say Mexico.
2: He, yeah, he doesn't have to have his math because he hasn't proven why he's choosing certain areas of where the earthquake is going to occur. As long as he can draw an arrow to it on a map, an imprecise arrow, he's going to say it fits his anomaly. He drew an arrow from down from Turkey to kind of the middle of the rectangle that is formed by squaring off the parallelogram and set, and it kind of goes through the eastern side of Africa and he was breathlessly mentioning that oh, this is it goes through the great pyramid, pyramid of Giza.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. It's like, Straight what? through. But look how look how big these lines
2: are. <laughs> <Yes>. uh. <laughs> for the map oh, size he has and the big thickness of the arrows if you're drawing an arrow through Egypt, it's going to be kind of close to
1: exactly Something. where... Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, by the way, 58 minutes ago, someone posted on his YouTube channel, another 7 magnitude just hit the ley line again in Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, on the 21st. Readings range from seven point six point seven to 7.1. But just another coincidence, of course. Wall. Um, so, yeah, uh, let me see.
2: Has a lot Gosh, to do with...
1: I think that there's, uh, as an earthquake-prone
2: zone... Yep.
1: Stupid. Okay, so we're kind of beating this to, to death.
2: Yeah, it has a lot uh, to do so with stupid. not understanding laws of large numbers that he's talking about—the million and one chances of these happening—and well, million to one chances happen all the time, but the million to one chance that'll happen to you is slim. So. Right. Crazy, crazy people. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> don't we worry too math. much about. It. We need more math classes out there.
1: Well, some people just aren't good at math. This guy's very good at basic algebra.
0: It wasn't a 7-pointer. It was
1: a 6.2. Oh. what a shame. But hey, he was on the ley line, so... Only not... Alright, speaking of prediction... There was a... (laughs) Greg, you wanted to talk about this, um, this psychic study, this reverse psychic thing? Yes.
2: On, um, um... Hold on, quite hold on. Few...
0: I'm having a psychic moment. Greg's going to talk about reverse psychicism.
2: Psychicism?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to make it Is that it sound some most... kind
2: of weird circumcision procedure, or... No. <laughs> Ow. So... Well, I can't say
0: psychology. <laughs>
2: There has been a lot of talk amongst some other podcasts, including certain famous ones within the skeptical world, within the skeptical universe, one might say. Um, that you have shall discussed- not be named. Exactly. And other blogs have mentioned um, the situation. So I'm going to sum up fairly quickly that um, a couple of years ago, um, a psychologist from Cornell University, Daryl Bem published an article in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology that he had found proof of psychic abilities amongst apparently the average human being. He had nine different experiments, one of which um, that he said ca- um, showed significant effect sizes. Now, significant can be just barely significant, but he said they were significant.
1: Well, like he's talking about stati- statistically significant.
2: Exactly. So with a a p zero a p of .05 or or less. Right. The one of those studies, he basically uh, for proof of psychic ability, he displayed forty eight words to the subjects, and then after they were shown those words, he gave them a surprise memory test of how many of those words they could remember. So they tried to write up, write down as many as they could remember. And then randomly were given 24 of those words to study further with little exercises, practice. And then they stopped the study.
0: Okay, question.
2: Sure.
0: What were the words? I mean, were they little words like at, the, and, to, go, cat? I,
2: do, I don't know.
0: Or were they words like, you know, triskaidekaphobia and, and, you know, I don't
2: know what else. Lamange. <laughs> that was not covered in the articles. They weren't particularly cromulent in that way.
1: Re- <laughs> P- presumably they were, they were common words, <laughs> but neither too small nor too large.
2: Common enough. They, they discussed in what we're, I'm going to mention in a second, the replications of the study, that um, some of the people had to change some of the words slightly to be more familiar to someone from the United Kingdom. Right. So they so, had to make some regional differences. Okay. Okay. So like
0: bonnet instead of a
2: hood. Something like that. <laughs> so what they said is that uh, they and they used 50 subjects apparently. And what they said was the words that the people had been given the chance to exercise after they had been tested on them they did better on when they were just subliminally shown them and then tested on them. So it wasn't like everybody was their own control. There were 24 words that they did get to rehearse afterwards and 24 words they did not. The ones they did get to rehearse afterwards, the experimenters say they did better on. Now, some of these other podcasts and and, um, blogs have gone really into the statistical problems of Daryl Bem, his methodological methods of looking at his data, using small numbers of subjects, and all that sort of thing. But there's been kind of a new hullabaloo over the fact that three different psychologists from three different universities, Stuart Ritchie, Richard Wiseman, and Christopher Finch, French, uh, attempted to do replications of this study. The the ninth one that had the highest significant effect this word study where it looked like you could do better on a test afterward, afterwards or after you were given, before you were given a, a chance to rehearse it. Well, they all did an experiment with the same number of people, 50. They used the same computer program that Daryl Bem used and then they They modified some of the words slightly, but did the best they could to faithfully reproduce the study and none of them got any results that were significant at all all
1: right now let's let's also give Bem uh some credit because he was surprised, and he gave them access to his program
2: he did give so them access, he, he, and he did he, call he, for replication
1: yes, he did so. You gotta give him credit for that.
2: He, he, Bem is fairly known as being a, a prominent psychologist. So he's not seen as being an overall nutcase. Right. So it's, it's just seen as a failure of methodology and trying to, you know, maybe just not realizing that you can do one of the kind of little statistical tricks on your data from time to time, but you can't do all of them all at once.
1: Yeah, and that that was one of the one of the controversies is whether the p value was actually the the, uh, the statistical method to use to determine whether this was significant or not. Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, I am not a statistician, so uh, but basically, the the p value uh, is a probability of obtaining a,
2: a false positive.
1: Uh, well, I think it's it's the probability of something is actually going to happen that you're not expecting to happen.
2: It's the I, the idea is if you repeated the study say a thousand times, what's the probability that this could happen by chance? The result you get.
0: So right. if so it's I,
2: less than point zero five, then it's considered significant. So out of a thousand tests, um, I guess that would be you would get a positive five times. But everything, or, okay. or you would get a negative five times out of those a 1,000. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, the study was a little, the study itself was on shaky ground. So when the study came out in the Journal of Psych- Personality and Social Psychology, there were a lot of people saying, well, wait a minute. You know, this is a significant peer-reviewed study, uh journal why would you publish something like this? You know, how did this get through peer review? That sort of thing. Uh, there was a bit of an outcry when this came out in 2010, but there's been a new outcry about the fact that these three people, Richie, Wiseman, and French, separately did these replication studies. And they got no results, so they decided, okay, well, let's go back to the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, the same journal who, who published the first test, and say, well we have these replications, and they show there's no result let's put these not exactly side by side but within the same context and they were told we don't publish replications at all they were rejected <laughs> off of out of hand um,
1: which means if a bad uh paper gets through you'll never know that it was a bad paper unless they uh, uh, put out a retraction of it
2: exactly it's 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 kind we of see, worse yeah. than the, than the Lancet. At least the Lancet, when they, um, decided that, um, Andrew Wakefield, when they realized he was wrong, they retracted his study and it was well publicized, but here they aren't even dealing with simple replications that reject the study. There were actually two, two or three other journals that rejected them out of hand saying, we don't want to publish replications. Yeah. And, and, in
1: that, fact, some of them said, why don't you go back to the original journal? That would be the place to publish it.
2: <laughs> yeah, which they they tried. Um, so we've got a problem of it's, – it's like a retraction in a newspaper where they published on the front page, you know, so-and-so has an affair. Um, and then three weeks later, they print a retraction on page 300. Um, of the sports section or something, and and they don't they hide the fact that they don't exactly hide, but they don't publicize the fact as much as they did in the first place.
0: Unlike This American Life.
2: Right, they've gotten in a lot of trouble lately over that Apple story.
0: But This well, American Life did it the right way. They went in and they basically did an entire episode dedicated to the retraction, and they said, "We screwed up. We didn't vet. We didn't do it right." We're very sorry. Here's the transcript. You can no longer download this, this, the audio version, but we're going to talk about it, and we're going to see what we can do to make it better. I have to give them that props.
2: Heck, even but, Oprah Winfrey, who we don't like, when that whole million little pieces thing came up, she had the author back on and pub- you know, publicly said, what the hell happened? Why were you doing this to me?
0: No, You know what? She, she publicly said that, but it was a softball interview. Oh yeah. She, but at least she didn't it was, come down on
2: him. At least yeah. it was publicly done. It wasn't just hushed hushed. And this is even worse than that. Because you have the average grad student who's searching through papers to say, you know, can I prove that this is is done? So they you know, maybe fifty studies have done on on this one subject of psychology you know whether people are altruistic or not you know maybe one study was done and found a positive result but 49 was done 49 were done and they proved they showed that there was no effect but nobody wants to publish replications or negative results and all the grad student can find is the positive result so and and also you if you don't publish the negative results of these replications People are going to keep doing tests to say, "Well, let me see if this is actually true," and they're going to basically waste their time trying to refute something that's already been refuted by somebody else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there 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 are a couple of journals, but specifically for biology, I think, or microbiology, that are failed results. But there's not a general journal or or repository for for failed studies. Right. Or, or even, not even replications but just failed studies.
2: Right. Failed studies in that they found no results, not that they were something went horribly horribly wrong.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Something something where they are looking they are expecting a result or hope, you know, a homeopathy for example. You know, how many how many studies do you see really testing homeopathy that that are failed simply because there's no <laughs> there's no data there. You know, it's not it's not interesting data, but it's certainly important for for the again the repository of knowledge that that we know that we tested this, and then someone can go, oh, I'll look at your your methods, and maybe you messed up here. But the the one thing that Bem started saying, and uh, some other people were, were saying about the the failed studies is that, <laughs> and they they fell back on the uh, you are skeptics and therefore you were destroying their psychic ability. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. You'd think someone who is a scientist and a psychologist wouldn't kind of throw that card into the mix, but
1: No, it was just it was just pretty bad.
2: Like that's straight a, out of Ghostbusters. I was
0: about to say that's a Peter Venkman line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and there, yeah. Wavy
0: lines. <laughs> wavy lines.
2: <laughs> the so we've got one part of this which is the Unfortunate Nature of Journals Refusing to Publish Replications and Negative Results. And maybe that was an issue years ago when space was at a premium in print articles, but now you could have five pages of just um, abstracts of other articles and have have connections to this refers to this in in article whatever issue, whatever. This is a replication of this other study. So you have that. Yeah, Plus, well, you
1: could... It, but, well, even better is with the online world, you could have that studying. All the re- replications could be, oh, I don't know, hyperlinked to exactly.
2: each other? Exactly <laughs> what I was going to say.
0: Imagine
2: that. The power of the internet. Yeah, okay. I wanted to beat you to it. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so you have like – but you can include abstracts of those stories in your journal and then just have the full articles online all linked to each other, as you said. Yeah. But we also have – so besides the problem of not publishing these replications, you also have the fact that once um, Richie Wiseman and French got to a journal that was willing to at least send it out for peer review, peer reviewers pretty much are – it's sent to two different people. So they get two opinions on the piece. In this case, one of the people they sent it to was Daryl Bem himself.
1: Oh, wait. No. Wait a minute. When you get, when you get peer reviewed, you're not supposed to know who, who is reviewing it.
2: That's true. What, what happened is they send it out for peer review. One person said, yeah, I like it. Go ahead, publish it. The other person says, I don't know. I have reservations about it. And they asked Daryl Bem, by the way, were you sent this to review? And he said, yes. So he confirmed it after the fact.
1: Right, but uh, th- but the reason for that for the peer review is that someone can be brutally honest because they know that they're not going to have to answer for the asking the hard questions. Yeah, you know, and because did- it sucks when your friend brings something that's that's pathetic to you and you have to rip it apart.
2: Yeah, and Bem didn't have to confirm that it was him, but he did.
1: He did. Yeah,
2: to his credit, he's like, "Yeah, I got sent it." And so <laughs> and I thought but, it was a
1: good study. <laughs> but I think it's a bad
2: idea to send a refutation of someone else's study to that to person.
1: That. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've so got there was... a
2: lot of personal investment involved.
0: But that is simply right. a judgment it... of the journal, not yeah. the process.
2: As a little side anecdote, um I was involved with someone a while ago who was a um was, was worked in the office for a literary journal for an educational university. Um And I saw a lot of the behind the scenes of this journal. You had a editor who was behind the times who refused to get his computer upgraded from Windows 95.
0: Oh, God.
1: 95.
2: Yes. Um, (laughs) And he would decide not to accept articles just because he didn't like the author or he... He decided, you know what, we've we've talked about Shakespeare too much in the last couple of years. I'm just not going to re- accept anything whatsoever on Shakespeare for the next two years. Just out of hand, regardless of the quality of the article. And then, the ones he did accept, or didn't accept, well, the ones he did accept, sometimes when he would send it out to peer review, it would be, well, they had their favorite peer reviewers, and they would keep sending to the same people over and over and over again. So you've got this echo chamber of the same people having the same opinions. And and at top that all off, sometimes the the editor would say, "Well, I think you know, really think John Smith should weigh on weigh in on this. Send it to him for peer review." And this happened time and time again. Some of these people were dead that he was asking to review these articles, <laughs> so they, they wouldn't even keep up on who was alive to review this.
0: Right. And, but that happens at almost every major pure um, exactly. journal I know because I've worked at a couple of them you know and on it, I mean I've seen it where we would get something in at one of the universities and literally they would just email it to the entire um, to the staff to, to all the, 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 the APs and full P's And go, you know, here, what do you think? And it wouldn't even be a case of, you know, a lot of times it would be, okay, well, we'll print this by a show of hands.
2: (laughs) So it wasn't even peer review, it was just a vote in the office.
0: Yeah. So this type of thing does go on, like, all the time.
2: Yeah. So a, a crappy thing would come in and be written by someone who the editor really liked so he or she would get published just for the fact that he knew someone.
0: Right. And sometimes it was, it's, you know,
2: this whole incestuous thing of, you know, who you know.
0: Yeah, you know, it, I, I said it before and I will say it again, sometimes it's not who you know, but who you blow.
2: Well, yes, there's there's that. <laughs> I would know that very well.
0: Um, I'm just saying that <laughs> the peer- review process is not this hallmark that everybody makes it out to be in right. the most in most cases it is a well- run efficient machine and it does produce articles in professional in professional journals that do withstand a certain amount of scrutiny yes some of them do get passed. But that is why there's always people writing rebuttals and, and everything else. because It, it any should article be better
2: than the human error that it can apply to. That can affect, you know, who you know or you know, someone just didn't have the time to peer review it, so they just yeah, sure, go ahead and do it and it, it should be a better way to narrow down to a bullseye of what is the actual small t or capital t truth but it's still a human product. In
0: addition, that whole idea of, well, we've only printed, you know, we've printed X amount of Shakespeare, we need to print X amount of articles about Marlowe and everything else, that happens all the time. Because markets will get flooded, and unless you are on that cutting edge of the flood, you don't want to be the last guy printing the article. You want to be the first guy. So... Because if you're the first guy out with, you know, this amazing mathematical discovery as opposed to the guy who's rebutted the rebuttal of the rebuttal, you're not going to get the big headlines. And universities, you know, unfortunately, and research, unfortunately, is a money-making business. And it really is down to dollars.
2: Yeah. It's unfortunate that we get the big headline you know, this affects the media so much that we get the big headline of, you know, cold fusion discovered, and no one talks about afterwards that there was naturally nothing described. I think the only reason we've heard about the refutation of the neutrinos faster than light thing is because of the angle that they could put on it of, oh, it was just a loose cable that someone needed to jiggle. It had that kind of fun aspect to it. It wasn't actual science like, oh, this is why this happened that wasn't the angle that everybody put on it, at least in their headlines. Peer-reviewed journals are, are good to talk about as being the way to make sure that we actually get real science put out there, um, but it could be better.
1: Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that, Greg.
2: Sure, no problem. So, <laughs> speaking of things that can't be replicated well...
1: Right. Uh, I came across a... Uh, a site called HumanBirdWings.net.
0: Go go go!
1: Pretty much, and uh, I posted this on the on the Facebook page because I, I I initially thought it was kind of cool. There was part of me when I was just sitting there reading about it going, okay, yeah, I I don't think that you can really. Get something like this going with the way that they're they're building it. When you see the pictures, you'll you'll see you'll see why. But it kind of looks like a a motorized glider kind of thing. Okay. Just two days ago, the guy finally did uh, a test flight, uh, and he got airborne uh, on this thing. So what he's done is he's made a set of wings based on birds' wings. Now, if you think back to some of those really old-time black-and-white movies where they show the guy with the bird wings. kind of like that.
2: You get a string of of clips of all these different human-powered flight things that just crash and burn and fold upon themselves.
1: Exactly. And this is no different, except it's modern times, and they're using video technology.
2: And, like, plastic instead of sheep bladder wings or something like that yeah you know, and you, he's yeah, using
0: did. um like Kites. kite material
1: so very very light fabric okay which of course they couldn't possibly have had back then um so there's a whole bunch of uh on, on the front page right now there's interviews or at least write-ups with in different uh things overseas i think this guy's french or german and uh, as you go back down into the rabbit hole, you see pictures of, of drawings and, and um, weight ratios and, and some what looks kind of scientific stuff on, on the videos. Um, and on this latest one, actually, the last two are the interesting ones. They actually get off the ground. But there's something very weird about the videos.
2: And that is... Does a gorilla walk through the middle while you're not looking?
1: No, but something just as odd um, is they have these three people s- helping this guy set him set up in this field. And then they start cutting down, and they all run around and away from the guy with the wings towards the camera. And the camera is handheld, not not on a, on a tripod. And they also kind of cut away because they move the camera down to the ground and back up. Huh. So it has all these very suspicious little places they can cut. And there's no reason for them, if the guy's trying to fly, there's no reason for them to run away and be behind him. You would think that they might want to be in front of him and kind of running along to help him out. You know, it's supposed to be kind of a kite. So <clears throat> I, I, I thought that was a little weird. And then on the, on the previous one, the 13th of 14th, uh, it's, uh, it's called Test Flight with Wings Made from a Kite. Thirteen slash fourteen. That is the most egregious one that that you see, because you see the guy running across the field, and there's something extremely wonky? not right.
0: Wonky? Yeah, because
1: that's the technical yes. term.
0: That's the industry term, wonky.
1: Okay, because uh, in the foreground you see a, a regular field that has uh, variations in the grass. You know, there's little dark patches where where there's shadows. And then as you get to the part where the guy is trying to take flight, it's oddly smooth, like a oh golfing green, perhaps, and he doesn't quite hit the ground properly, and then he eventually gets flight. And then on the, on the latest one, the 14th of the 14th uh, of the 14 videos, he actually gets up to a flight, but they, he has a head, head camera.
0: He is. He's using uh, a GoPro.
1: Okay, he has a GoPro camera, which is what uh, what is a GoPro. It's just something that attaches to your head or attaches to. Right, it to is. Anything, it, right?
0: is a, it is a newer model camera. A lot of people are using them. They technically record in in 1080p high def. The problem is is that the detail in them is wonky.
1: <laughs> okay, so right, so it's not it's not a very good high def picture. Right. But it exports to a high-def picture. Okay. So, he, anyway, he's got it on top of his head. And it looks like he's keeping his head straight up while he's trying to run, not looking down at his feet at all. Which is? <laughs> which, is which would be odd, especially if you have this big, heavy device on, on your back. You know, It's, it's got to be at least 50 pounds. Um, and then when he gets up in the air, he never looks down at the ground. He's always keeping his head back.
0: Right the, uh, the angle of the um, the helmet that you see yeah. changes in non-human manner.
1: Yes and then when he does get airborne the he there's no he just pulls his feet up and holds his feet, his feet back like he's flying like Superman but with no support like a hang glider, there's a support at the back. Where you, that, or actually on your midsection, but there's also one I think on your sort of on your knees to you give a, that part support.
0: It's usually like there's a harness. Yeah.
1: Right. So there's a harness, but he doesn't have that. You know, he just has his wings on, and then he just he just pulls his feet up, and suddenly he's he's flying. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that he, this guy is trying to. It sounds like he's trying to pull off that he's actually gotten flight, but. Um, it doesn't, doesn't work.
0: The other thing that bothered me, and this is just, I mean, because I just watched it today, just, and in fact very recently, is that they talk about how the wings are motorized with like a Wii mm. controller and an Android phone and, and something else. But he's still yeah. sort of pumping them.
1: I saw that too. I mean, they move on their own mm. and he's pumping them. Okay. Uh, and and the, the device that they show doesn't look like it's strong enough to, to move wings <laughs> of that size.
0: Right.
1: Now, furthermore, uh, a couple of people did some analysis on this. Uh, Gizmodo uh, hmm. talked with the uh, technical director at Industrial Light and Magic, and they sent it around to six or seven of the, the people there at Industrial Light and, and Magic And they all pretty much said it's fake, yeah, completely fake. One guy in the comments, I think, said that when they were showing the the wings and how the wings were working, they weren't using a computer program to model it. They were actually using a CGI software system to model that, which you wouldn't do if you're actually (laughs) – building wings <laughs> to the fly. you would
0: that the, the wings, because I, I looked up what some of the IM, ILM guys had to say, they're not showing any load. Right. If you watch the video, those wings are perfect for the entire run, takeoff, and flight.
2: So they're, it, it looks like they're assuming a, a vacuum... F- space where there's no wind resistance or anything things are flapping perfectly as if there's no problem there's no weight on it it's just flapping
0: yes yeah
1: it it looks like a simulation it acts like a simulation
0: a very simple other thing that bothers me from a technical standpoint is the fact that there is no natural sound yeah oh that's yeah
1: that was that was another thing that was pointed out which i didn't notice because i was listening to the pc to PC speakers.
2: So there's no um, birds, there's no bears in the background. No, what they've done is like they
0: overlaid a soundtrack.
2: Oh. Yeah. And
0: it's this very earthy, windy, sort of organic-sounding soundtrack. In stereo. <laughs> and you would expect, on a case like this, where if it was done naturally... They would have at least kept some of the gnat sound to boost their their claim.
2: No.
0: Right. I mean, a little bit of wind, a couple of birds, a guy screaming "Oh shit" or something.
1: Could have gone a long way. <laughs> I know. They, no, they, no, have got that. They've got they've got the sound of the people watching him. It, yeah. But, but the but the natural sounds are, uh, yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. it's pretty damn wonky. So uh, I just thought it was a fun video because I enjoyed trying to figure out because uh, I posted it immediately going, oh, you think this is real? It uh, looks kind of cool. And then, you know, five seconds later, after having watched the video again at full resolution on the screen, it was like, no, this, this, yeah. uh, I, this I, doesn't work.
0: I think what bothers me most is the grass because yes. one of the things that is there are a couple of things in CGI that are very, very hard to do. Smoke, water, and grass. Simply because of the variegation, water is very hard because of reflection. Smoke, because of the fact that it can go just about anywhere and has, you know, very distinct travel properties. These are things that are very hard to do. The grass in that is consistently, when you start to see the CGI, it is consistently the same color and it is. Looks like it is consistently almost blurred so that you're, so that they're trying to hide that it's CGI.
2: Right. Well, yeah. it's interesting to me that 20 years ago, if you had a question about, you know, do you think this is real? What do you think about it? You know, um, can we prove this or not? You might go to, you would probably go to a magician like James Randi or Penn Gillette. <laughs> But nowadays, what you do is, if you're trying to figure out if it's fake or not, is you go to someone who's a, who's a graphics designer at, you know, ILM or Pixar, and say, <laughs> "Could you reproduce this?" Oh yeah, easily. And this is how. And you can see the, the telltale points.
1: It also reminds me of that that Alien video uh, a couple of years ago, where they said, "There's no way that this is this could be uh, recreated. It'd take it'd take uh, thousands or millions of dollars to create." Uh, a CGI alien like this—it was an alien head looking through the window—and
2: uh-huh.
1: then, like five minutes later, uh, some guy recreated it using a rubber alien head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you remember that? Yep. <laughs> it's just stupid. This is a lot more technical than that, though. I think, but I still think you can use off the off the shelf. Um, yeah, you, could, you could you could do
0: this it. with with After Effects, which is yeah. part of the Adobe suites.
1: Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) $1,500 investment and a couple of, couple of hundred hours of work and you're, you're golden.
2: One question I have on this is why, why the fake? Is it that they're trying to raise more money for something? Is it like the people who are doing Cold Fusion or trying to promise Cold Fusion so people invest in their company?
1: I, I have no idea because the, the problem that I find is that the website is, is totally, uh, tries to be legit. You know, he's the the guy's pulling out, um, saying, "Hey, thanks, thanks for the uh, the technical expertise." People are sending him, uh, I you know, ideas apparently, and so it's it's looks like it's totally trying to be legit, but it's so well, abhorrently fake.
0: Gizmack has uh, talked to an internet marketing expert, who's pretty sure that it is a marketing ploy for one of the companies whose products is being used.
1: Okay, so it could be the Pro uh, dim what, what the hell was it?
0: Either the no, Nintendo the Wii Control or the HTC Wildfire smartphone that's used to. That's his best. Right. Um, okay,
1: or, or the video recorder. Yeah. Because they do mention that too.
2: So I'm guessing not the visual visual suite that they used to make the damn thing. No. Because it was bad enough that it's obviously a fake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but see, the weird thing is, on all the tags, they don't mention any of the, uh, they don't mention the HTC, they don't mention the the recorder, they don't mention the the Wii. So that's, um, I don't know. It's, it, if it is, it's it's going viral. I guess that's exactly what they that what they do. You know, this is what they're going for. They're going yeah. for viral.
2: Well, sometimes you get these internet videos of these wild stunts of people. I don't know. Dropping something from a hundred feet up and landing in a kiddie pool or something and it's proven to be a fake otherwise afterwards and sometimes it's just done so that they can prove that it could be done. And just, you know, can we fool people?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, okay.
2: It reminds oh, me of those little girls who fooled the um, creator of Sherlock Holmes into thinking there were fairies yeah. <laughs> by faking those photos a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: Plus the change. Oh wait, let me do it like Rush.
0: Plus the change. Plus the change. The more the things change, the more they stay the same.
2: Um, I think we lost Gary on that one.
0: <laughs> he was having wait, a rock roll me? moment. We gotta give it to him once in a while.
1: Yeah. Come on, it's rush. Old Rush too. Alright, well that um that brings us to um the um, Lightning Round Lightning Round Lightning
0: Round Lightning Round, lighting lighting round. round. Woo-hoo. So, so
2: Well energy. considering the uh, the big storms we had in San Antonio this last week, this is a uh, Actually, kind of a lightning round. We're still all static electricity filled.
0: <laughs> okay, so for those of you in the studio audience who are not familiar with the lightning round, the lightning round is a, a two round set where each of us gets about 90 seconds to talk about a subject that we just want to talk about, whether it's weird, crazy, sexy, fun, or just something we want to mock.
2: Or depressing. A,
0: or depressing. And tonight, we will start out with Gary. So, Hello. Gary, what do you have to tell us?
1: Well, um, I'm going to start out with a one uh, of those scale thingies. Uh, when I say a scale thingies I'm not talking about, oh, what are those things called? Uh, uh, balances. snakes. What? Alligators? Balances. Oh, balances. No. Not about them either. I'm talking about the size of things relative to other things. There have been a couple of YouTube videos that have been released that start on a very on the on a house scale and then move all the way out to the galactic scale and all the way back in. That's really cool and then down to a miniature scale. But I found one um, that allows you to control it, and uh, I learned I learned a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, um, so it starts out uh, and it's kind of fun because they. Every once in a while, they'll throw in something ridiculous to sh- just to show uh, how ridiculous it is. is. So on the, on the very first thing, they've got uh, a size of an average U.S. house, and they have um, kind of a joke there. I won't tell you what it is. You should go see it uh, in the show notes there. Uh, I also learned that smaller than Pico, smaller than Femto, is a Yocto, Y-O-C-T-O. I did not know. That's the smallest thing that you can possibly have yeah. uh, as far as we know. And there's also a length that there are things that are no longer um, at 10 to the negative 15th point seven meters. uh, Things, they don't have anything that's proven to be that small. I just thought that was really cool. Go to it.
2: Yay, Gary.
0: Awesome. And Greg, what do you have for us tonight?
2: Well, I have a story out of uh, Petrolia, Texas. Um, apparently, um, there's been a soldier who was missing for about five years. Um, Jose Ramirez, he was out of California, but he was found, his, his body was found outside of home in Petrolia, Texas, um, fairly recently this, uh, this last month in March. Um, living in that house also were Justin Green and also, uh, Terry Green, his sister, Brittany Green, um, oh, so Terry Green is his mother, sister Brittany Green, and a friend Stephanie Heaston-Coral. Um, Justin Green, the friend apparently, they were both in the military from what I understand, um, has been charged with first-degree murder of um, Mr. Ramirez. And um, the, the sisters, the mother, and the friend were uh, charged with tampering with evidence because they essentially hid this whole murder. Um, But what it comes down to is the statement that uh, Brittany Green gave regarding why this person was shot, why Ramirez was shot. Apparently this, the quote is he did not believe in God. And she said, apparently that she also said that he may have reached for a gun, but apparently the non-belief in God was reason to kill him. Now that's just an allegation at this point. We'll find out more information in the future. But, yeah, if if there's any reason for a reason rally, that's one. Stop killing us because we don't believe what you believe.
1: Or killing anybody.
2: That's true. (laughs) I don't want to kill people who believe in God. I just don't want them to bother me or change my (laughs) schools.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) True. True enough. And I'm going to be talking about the secrets of St. Albans Roman burial urns. They have apparently been unlocked. Um, Using CT scanners, um, conservators at the Wilshire and Swindon History Center have begun excavating um, urns at the King Henry Lane in St. Albans. Guess what they found in those urns? Dildos. No. Uh Twinkies. No. Twinkie dildos. No skins. No, they found bones. Oh. They found human bones.
2: So they <sighs> they made jars with bones in them or made jars out of bones?
0: They made jars and put bones in them. Alright. So, like I said, I mean, two of the urns contain bones, which could be human. I'm like, um, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> this was my, and this was in the BBC. Uh, the article that I pulled this from was BBC, and I just, I was all like, really?
2: They're bones, they're urns. What do you think this tells us about the culture that we didn't know beforehand?
0: Nothing. ...doesn't tell us anything.
2: Well, that's kind of a lame archaeology story. We found what we expected to find.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, my time is up, and we will move back to Gary.
1: All right, well, I'll I'll get our blood boiling here for a moment. Uh, According to the National Center for Science Education, uh, yesterday, Tennessee... That bastion of free thinking and critical thought passed a bill, Senate Bill 893, that people are calling the Monkey Bill. Why? (laughs) Because they are, they would like teachers in class to promote the scientific strengths and scientific weaknesses of controversial topics such as biological evolution, the chemical origin of life, global warming, and human cloning. So, what do we know about this? Oh, that's basically an intelligent design bill. Teach the controversy, the whole thing. Now, they passed it 24 to 8. Oof. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Andy Burke, a Democrat uh, uh, from District 10, said that, you know, he objected that the bill would encourage inappropriate discussions of religious matters, saying, you know, if my children ask... How does this mesh with my faith? You know, He doesn't want the teacher answering that question. And that's exactly right. Do you want the teacher to explain how science meshes with your faith? Well, obviously not because it's a liberal conspiracy in the first place. So way to go, Tennessee. Moving back about, a oh, what, 50, 60 years now?
2: Yay! Back to the Scopes trial again. Yep, yeah, that's it. Oh, nineteen twenty-five. You know I am
0: actually going to change the order up because your article dovetails nicely into mine.
2: Go for it, Donna.
0: So I am going to talk about a recent incident at um, FAU. I'm not exactly sure it's Florida University. Um, a associate professor Stephen M. Kijura was reviewing that... evo- was reviewing evolution with his class. When a student, Jonathan Carr, interrupted him saying, how does evolution kill black people? Yeah. And then she became violent. Uh, Repeated outbursts. Uh, Fortunately, in this day, it was all cell phone taped and put up on YouTube. Um, But (laughs) literally, she just nutted the fuck up.
2: Now, was either the teacher or the student African-American?
0: The student was African-American. The teacher is Asian. And he just kind of stood back and was all like, "Um, what the hell is going on here?
2: So Uh, this might have something to do with someone being taught in their traditionally black church that evolution is horrible and it was especially horrible to black people because of Darwin's racism or something. Right. And there
0: has been a lot of controversy in this regards of uh, eugenics and and everything else. And Stephen Jay Gould wrote a tremendous book called *The Mismeasure of Man*, where people were taking you know skeletal measures and trying to say here is evolution proving that. Um, and I'm taking my Mulligan, uh, <laughs> trying to say that evolution was proving that people of African American descent were racially inferior to the eurocentric white model but once again that is not what he was teaching it is not what has been taught for a hundred years in this respect
1: right okay but you guys you guys are I, no, I shouldn't even say that after reading this article I got the feeling that it that she was just losing her mind in general yeah. not necessarily. It, it just happened to be about evolution. Right. Um, it didn't... It, it could have been over anything, but this is kind of how she lost lost her, you know, lost her gourd.
0: One thing uh, that I, um, Dr. Kajora had, did say, though, is that he had received an email from her before spring break, you know, asking intelligent questions, asking all of these things. So we can't really say what happened.
1: Yeah, I think I think this is more along the case of the same of the of the guy from the uh, Coney 2012 movement who got so much criticism that he couldn't handle it. I, that and that just started that to me in the is, public. yeah yeah. So I, I'm I'm willing to to not pass judgment and just say that she was just a college student who was under too much damn
2: pressure at okay. the moment.
0: So <laughs> Greg, what can you wind us up on?
2: All right. So um, I've heard from a lot of women that they don't like going to a gym where it's both women and men. Sometimes they get objectified. Um, Sometimes they just feel embarrassed because they're in their workout clothes around guys that are maybe more attractive or maybe ogled by leers and stuff like that. Well, it turns out that there may be actually a secret reason behind that, that you women just aren't telling us. Um, Debbie Herbenik, who works with the Center for Sexual Health Promotion at Indiana University, um, has uh, done some data to say that apparently 5% of women who are interviewed about orgasms and sex say that they are able to achieve orgasm purely through physical exercise.
0: Woohoo!
1: I knew I loved the gym!
2: (laughs) And they're, they're nicknamed coregasms because apparently a lot of these, um, orgasms come from doing, um, strengthening the abdominal muscles, like crunches the, the and silks, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, so it's I gotta
0: get on to that.
2: So it's not just, you know, riding the stationary bike or climbing the rope, which you would think would be a direct physical stimulation, but it's actual exercise that induces pleasurable things. So it's, and, and they, and these women who were further interviewed said, They weren't thinking sexy thoughts or anything like that. It was just this exercise, maybe yoga, too, brought about a physical orgasm. So that's pretty neat.
0: Uh, I guess I'm going to the gym more now.
2: I am,
1: too. (laughs) All right, well, thanks. Thank you all for these interesting
2: articles. (laughs) (laughs) That was said with a little bit of sarcasm, wasn't it?
1: Ah uh, well, no. It was supposed to be sarcasm. It was supposed to be uh, my radio voice. Um. All right. Well, uh, we have the reason rally. Reason, rally, reason, rally, reason rally. We have the. We have the reason rally coming up this weekend. We're going to be there. Yay! Uh, people can find out where we're at through our Twitter feed, which is skeptic or the skeptic wire, right? Skeptic wire uh, or yeah, our Facebook. The skeptic wire. And so. Yeah, we hope to see you all out there. It's going to rain. Bring a poncho. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe it'll rain. That's because all all of Texas is doing.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Well, all the atheists. I mean, (laughs) look at what we did at TFC.
1: Exactly.
2: It's entirely possible that we're going to be inside some of those times, so Friday night before the Reason Rally, we may, may spend a lot of time at the uh, hotel where they're holding the American Atheist Convention later in the weekend um, the and hotel after bar. probably, and after the reason rally, I think there are several listed events. I think there's a lot with free thought blogs, but we'll keep everybody updated on facebook and and Twitter like we said about uh, what where you can find us and what we're gonna be doing Yep. and and hopefully we yeah, can bring back some interesting us. audio.
0: Come see us, yeah. come say hi.
2: And don't forget to bring your sex toys so Daryl Ray can sign them. Clean Woo-hoo! sex toys.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining me this week. And uh, You're welcome, and, Gary. You're very, yeah. very welcome. And we will see, talk and with we'll everybody And we'll
0: talk to you soon. We'll, we'll see yeah, you in D.C., we'll Gary. Them.
1: Yes, on Friday. <coughs> Friday or Sam- uh, Samstag. Right sounds good thank you so much and we'll see you guys later
0: bye bye bye
1: bye The heller lay lines were people are having sex? No. No, look at all that in the ocean. People aren't having sex in the ocean, that's ridiculous. Whales? No. Anyway. Uh-huh. Whales
2: are people too, man.